Bridge Bank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank, be bold, venture wisely. Hi there, I'm Randad Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Governor Gavin Newsom says California is making big strides in its push to ramp up COVID-19 testing, but he isn't committing to a date for reopening the state just yet. KQED politics correspondent Marisa Lago says more. Newsom says California is now testing 16,000 people per day and is well on its way towards its goal of 25,000 daily tests by the end of April. Those goals, he says, will be aided by both resources President Trump this week promised California in the form of much-needed swabs, and by a plan to open 86 new testing sites in underserved areas of the state, including rural communities and communities of color. We've put together a heat map of the state where we define testing deserts, and we're going to begin to plug these programs in to these sites. Newsom says the state is also working on creating an army of 10,000 contact tracers, people to connect with anyone who tests positive for COVID-19 and figure out who they may have infected. But in order to consider lifting the state's shelter-in-place order, Newsom says California will need to be testing tens of thousands more people per day than we're doing now. There's no date. If there's a date, then we're denying the facts on the ground. Newsom says the state will rely on science to make all decisions. For the California Report, I'm Marisa Lagos. Nonprofit community clinics and health centers care for people regardless of their ability to pay or immigration status. But during the pandemic, many clinics across California are struggling to keep their doors open. KQED's Farida Javala Romero reports. In the San Francisco Bay Area, La Clinica de la Raza serves 90,000 patients a year in Alameda, Contra Costa, and Solano counties. It's been around for nearly half a century, but... This is unlike anything we've ever experienced before. Jane Garcia is La Clinica's CEO. She says the organization is losing $3 million per month, and she's had to furlough about 300 employees. That's because many patients aren't seeking routine care since stay-at-home orders began, and La Clinica has downsized dental and optometry services. You know, not being able to provide the services is a big uh, problem for our communities who are already underserved. Statewide, community health centers are losing nearly $90 million a week because patient visits and reimbursements have dropped by half as people hunker down at home, says Carmela Castellano-Garcia. She heads the California Primary Care Association. This is unsustainable. She says California health centers have received $190 million in federal emergency aid, but that's not enough. We are really the leading provider of care for California's most vulnerable populations, and community health centers' future is very much threatened by the COVID pandemic. 
Community health centers nationwide are asking the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services for an $8 billion share of last month's coronavirus stimulus funding and lobbying Congress for more help as the pandemic continues. For the California Report, I'm Farida Javala Romero. Employees at a Foster Farms plant in the Central Valley are worried about their health now that one of their co-workers has tested positive for COVID-19. KQED's Alex Hall has more. The employee who is now in quarantine worked on the processing line at a plant in South Fresno and has not been at work since April 11th. Deep Singh, executive director of the Sikh community organizing group Jakara Movement, said many of the plant's workers are immigrants age 50 or older whose kids are worried about them going to work. We're hearing that from the from the workers. They're really fearful that Today's news is just the tip of the iceberg. Spokesman Ira Brill says Foster Farms is working to figure out who else may have been exposed, but that the plant will remain open as long as it does not create a risk for the community. One positive does not constitute a risk. It's a positive that we hoped would not happen. We are doing everything possible and have taken many of these steps before other companies have to limit the impact on the workforce. Brill says other workers are also in quarantine, but would not say how many. For the California Report, I'm Alex Hall in Fresno. Meanwhile, in higher education news, Stanford University is following Harvard's lead. It's announcing it will withdraw its application for federal coronavirus relief funds. That comes after President Trump criticized Harvard for applying for federal assistance. Stanford had originally applied for $7.5 million in CARES Act money based on the number of its students from poorer families. In a statement, the Palo Alto University says the pandemic poses an existential threat to smaller colleges and universities and that federal funds should go to them. Undocumented college students dealing with campus closures won't be getting any emergency help from the federal government because of the coronavirus pandemic. KQED's Vanessa Rancaño has more. The CARES Act, passed by Congress last month, includes about $6 billion in emergency grant money for college students. The U.S. Department of Education announced this week undocumented students, including those with DACA status, can't get in on the aid. Undocumented student activist Gloria Alonso says students like her are used to finding ways around barriers. What we're seeing with the undocumented people is create their own ways to access these resources, not relying on institutions, on their closely knit networks of support. The University of California says its campuses will use institutional funds to make up the difference for undocumented students. Statewide, there are roughly 75,000 of these students in public colleges and universities. For the California Report, I'm Vanessa Rancaño. Some states like Georgia are starting to reopen their non-essential businesses. Here in California, no word yet about when that will start happening here. But many small businesses are planning for it anyway. That includes coffee houses, the kind of establishment I personally spent a lot of time in before the pandemic. Coffee shops reopening would represent a step back to normalcy for me and lots of other people out there. But how do you reopen a kind of business where spaces can be tight and people often linger, sometimes for hours? We reached out to Sarah Peter the owner of Scout Coffee in San Luis Obispo, to hear about her plans for reopening. You know, I think for sure we're going to be dealing with limited capacity. And I think that we're also are going to be seeing employees wearing gloves, wearing masks. We did get a bid to get like a glass, almost like a window, you know, a piece of glass in front of our espresso machine, just to kind of create a little bit more of a barrier, which is interesting because 
our initial design of our store, everything we did was this open kitchen concept, you know, where there isn't really a barrier. We wanted people to walk in the door. The first thing you see is a smiling barista. So I think we're still going to have that that feeling, but, you know, there might be masks on, there might be glass in between. I imagine we're going to continue with social distancing, so the line's going to look a little different. You know, the hanging out in the coffee shop for hours, that's probably going away. I assume that's a big change for you because, you know, a coffee house is the kind of business where many of us like to linger. I guess that's a big cultural shift in the industry if that happens. It is. It is. It'll be interesting to see, you know, if that comes back or not. I think people are going to be, I think they're longing for that, but I don't know if that is going to be, you know, socially acceptable. And it's one big question, how do you return to being a welcoming environment when your employees are wearing masks, there's social distancing, there's a lot more plexiglass? It seems like a challenge. It is a challenge. And, you know, once people walk into our space, you know, we're actually refreshing our space right now, too, which we're finishing off our countertops. We're making a few improvements just to kind of add to those subtle, you know, atmosphere things that you think, okay, this is fresh, this is new, this is a little different. You know, it might not look like it did exactly one month ago, but this feels like Scout. This feels happy. This feels good, you know. And finally, and maybe a painful topic, but when you do start reopening more fully, do you expect you'll be able to support the same number of employees? We do have some employees that have kind of moved home for now, but we've been keeping in touch with everybody. We've been able to keep on about 10 people right now. So it might not be right away. It might be, you know, kind of in phases, but... You know, we're hopeful that, you know, as each week kind of goes on, that we'll see, you know, hopefully an increase in sales. And that means, you know, we'll be able to bring on more staff. All right. Sarah Peterson of Scout Coffee in San Luis Obispo, we wish you and your staff all the best as you prepare for what's ahead. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for your time. And I look forward to you coming by sometime soon. Oh, and I will be coming by because I love both coffee and San Luis Obispo. And that is the California Report for Thursday, April 23rd, a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez in L.A. Be well, everybody. Support for the California Report comes from Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose Fund for Strategic Innovation supports transformative ideas that benefit humanity while protecting the natural world, recognizing through science the interdependence of all living systems. Earth Justice, a national nonprofit law organization fighting for the right to a healthy environment. Earth Justice, because the earth needs a good lawyer. And Paint Care, ideas to use up house paint and leftover paint taking up space can be found at paintcare.org. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? It's history, it's people, it's unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. 
I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast. And I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading!